this heartache like a constant bruise oh it's not something i can touch or something i know how to prove always felt just like a fantasy oh i'm a composition of the things i want and i need Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode eight of your favorite podcast, Podchodge. Today, with me, I have Crow, the man who wears very dapper, respectable shoes and has a swagger about his step. Yes, I've been wearing these very dapper, respectable shoes for about three years now. Um, they're quite as—they're just as dapper as the day that I bought them. Yes, you're very good at keeping them polished and spick and span, as they say in some areas of the world, although I don't know where those places are anymore. The world back in like 1970 or something. Um, yeah, we're creating a very misleading profile of me. I like that. <laughs> Indeed. I like that. And I am joined by my fellow co-host, The Judge, the man who also probably has some fashionable tendencies that I'm failing to come up with at the moment he does a lot of thrift stuff thrift store shopping thrift store shopping he's uh yes. he's the model macklemore never been described as that i'm not sure how i feel feel like i'm the only person that's ever called anybody a macklemorean i, I kind of like the feeling you're so creative i try yes we have a great show today. As a matter of fact, our main topic, just to give you a little bit of a hint and a sneak peek, we are going to be talking about silent protagonists. But, of course, with the structure of the show, we have got a couple of topics we're going to rant or rave about. We've got some things, awesome, interesting things that have happened this week in review. And then we'll get into the main topic. So, I think we both mutually feel great about this rant. Like, we're very passionate about this one. Yeah, so Overwatch. Overwatch just had a pretty uh, substantial patch for their uh, retribution event that they're doing right now. And, you know, with it came a lot of great skins and new maps and story content and um, a massive uh, hit on our storage space. Oh, yeah. So I knew, I knew going into this that it was going to be a pretty significant patch size. And we've alluded to this in some of our past episodes. We've talked about, well, I specifically have complained about storage requirements and how they impact me quite a bit. Well, this patch size was approximately 22 gigabytes, which is insane. Uh, yeah, and Crow is actually impacted by this, and he feels a little bit of my pain yeah, I can definitely empathize with you on that because um, the PlayStation that I had originally bought had a terabyte hard drive with it, and uh, this newest update fucking destroyed what was left of what I, I thought I had quite a bit of space left, but I was I was obviously very wrong on that, and this is the first patch to make me have to delete anything on my PlayStation, so that was that was a bit of a depressing moment for me. This patch size is like larger than most of the games that came out on the PlayStation 3. Yeah, I deleted I deleted like three or four games from my PlayStation and I still didn't have enough space for it. See, 
but I think that's partially a problem with the operating system that Sony puts on the PlayStation because they they require that you have like at least double or something of free. So like if you wanted to install a 40 gig game, right, they for some reason, at least this is what I've heard, they require that you have at least 80 gig gigabytes free on your PS4 to be able to install that 40 gig game. So I don't know why they do that. But anyway, <sighs> really annoyed with that patch size. It took me on my internet connection. It took me 17 hours to download that. Jesus so, Christ. Yes, but I love me some Overwatch. It was worth it. It's a pretty solid update. We're going to get into that in a minute in our weekend review. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Damn it, Blizzard. Why'd you do that? Why'd you do that? It's got that Blizzard polish, I guess. 22 gigs of Blizzard polish. That Blizzard polish along with the Daddy Reaper skin. Hey, that Reaper skin's pretty cool. Eh, I like it all right. Well, we might as well just give our impressions of what we think about it now. Okay, so I guess that means that we can formally move into our week in review. And I guess a good way to start that would be to just go ahead and give our impressions of the Retribution event since we already ranted about it. There is plenty of good to talk about with this patch. Yeah, this was actually the uh, the first event that... Sorry, this is the last event that I have not previously been playing Overwatch for. Um, I'm about to hit a year since I started playing Overwatch and it's been quite a bit of fun. And this is the last event that was on my list of skins and emotes that i needed to get so i'll be honest i actually think that this is probably my favorite event of all of them yeah it's pretty solid the um even even as far as just like the lore goes it feels like it was more lore heavy than the previous events that we've played oh for sure and i mean there's so much other stuff that they did right with it like i've already mentioned this to you in our casual conversations that we have this is brought this patch has brought some of the best skins I've seen in the game altogether. And I mean it's not just a couple. I mean almost all of the skins specifically for the retribution event, I love them, almost all of them. Yeah, Blackwatch, Talon, got to love especially cuz like, you know, Doomfist and Moira, like these are fairly new characters, so they haven't really gotten any event skins yet, so it's it's nice to see them uh you know, getting some of the love for this one. And even to see Moira included in the uh in the lore itself back when, you know, she it, it almost feels like their their role in the story starts whenever they get introduced in the game. But, you know, for all intents and purposes, they've been around just as long as like any of the other Overwatch characters have. So it's it's, you know, kind of easy to forget that until you see like an event that includes them in it. Yeah. And it's a solid it's a solid lore-based event, too. I mean, the actual Blackwatch mission, there's some... I mean, all the characters play off of each other really well. There's some really interesting banter between characters. I really... I'm quite fond of Reaper's, you know, Gabriel Reyes voice. And I like that they cared enough to re-record all of the lines or whatever for Reaper with that voice actor. See, I think that they might have already done that, though, because he, you know, he has the Gabriel Reyes uh, skin that had already existed. Yeah, uh, I think they probably already did it, too. But I still I just started to notice it. 
Yeah, and I still start. I started to notice it in this update. Um, but it's it's pretty solid. I like it a lot. I like that voice actor. But and the Moira skin that they brought in, I think it's the best skin that she has so far. I agree with you on that. So anyway, yeah, really positive feelings on the retribution event. Just <laughs> and you know what I'm really happy about. Something else came with this patch, didn't it? Yeah, you know, Blizzard buffed the most underpowered ability in the entire game. Hanzo got <laughs> an accidental scatter buff. Um, his scatter arrow got buffed, which I think they... I noticed that there was a patch today. Um, it's April 17th, by the way. Uh, <laughs> there was a patch as soon as I turned my console on, so they might have fixed it by now. But I just thought that was funny. Wanted to okay. mention that. That makes a lot of sense, because... Um... I was getting killed like instantly by Hanzo's scatter shot. They weren't headshots. These were on some fairly bulky characters, like like a 250 HP uh, May. I think would get like killed in one hit from a scatter shot from Hanzo, and I was just I was kind of I was shocked. So that's my boy. Uh huh. Most underpowered ability of the game. Heavy sarcasm, of mm-hmm. course. Uh, what else do we have here? For all you Fortnite players, uh, they introduced a new item called the Porta Fort, which I saw. <laughs> I saw some gameplay of that, and I'll be honest, it looks pretty freaking awesome. Um, it's an item you drop it or you throw it or whatever, and it instantly spawns an entire fort around you. So it seems pretty game changing. But I mean, I personally am not a huge Fortnite player because I suck at it. <laughs> Ooh, you tried though. I mean, I really did try. I, I've i told Crow repeatedly that I just want to get one win. One win, mo- mostly because, you know, all of my students are playing Fortnite right now, and they won't shut up about how pro they are and how they've got so many wins, and they make fun of me because I made the mistake of telling them <laughs> I haven't gotten a win. Um, so I just want to get one win, and I'll uninstall the game forever. So, you know, if there are any listeners who want to carry me through a win in Fortnite... <laughs> I would be very grateful. I'd probably shed a tear. I mean, I'm desperate. So He's already shed enough tears about his losing, so I'm sure he has a few more left for his win. Yes, that's accurate. I will thank you profusely. You, but anyway, you can be on the show and tell us how to get good. You can be a guest. <laughs> It'd be great. Um, so yeah, that's that's something that came out. Witcher 3 got its PS4 Pro patch, which is awesome. You know, uprendered textures, 4K. Witcher 3 was already a beautiful game. I'm really happy that console players are going to get the um, ability to see it in its 4K glory. So that's in another good thing. It is, yeah. And I mean, that was one of the reasons I wanted to get a gaming PC too, was solely to play Witcher 3 and be able to see it with all of its graphics maxed out which i don't even think that there are very few graphics cards that can even do that but um anyway that happened crow have you heard anything about billy mitchell does that night name uh strike a bell to you you know i can't say it does so billy mitchell has the world record for being the first person to go over a million points in the Donkey Kong arcade game that Nintendo put out back in the golden era of gaming, the arcade age. And so they were actually, I mean, this guy has been heavily publicized. 
he's been in his own documentary called like King of Kong, uh, Fistful of Quarters. I think it's on Netflix, as a matter of fact, but I'm not sure if it is anymore because there's a lot of controversy surrounding this guy. It turns out that this company or this organization ruled that his scores weren't legitimate. Um, and so they rescinded all of this. I mean, they took him out of the rule or they took him out of the record. Like he's not the world record holder anymore. And it went to his, uh, former opponent. Um, so his former opponent now has the number one spot. And there's a lot of controversy going on about this. Uh, he says that there's proof that he actually got, you know, legitimately non-emulated over a million points, but they've shown that he was working on emulated hardware. So anyway, this is a big deal and it's still developing. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. He says he's going to provide the proof, but I don't think he will. We'll see. I think he's, I think he's been hitting the head too many times with, uh, barrels on Uh, that game. Yeah. That was, that was from, uh, I got to credit cheapy D on that. He made that pun. So, uh, well, that's, that's kind of a bummer, I guess. I, I mean, (laughs) <laughs> if you're the king of kong what else do you got <laughs> <laughs> hey he's he's actually really popular like really popular so well, not maybe anymore. not for much longer but you no. know I, w- I would prefer i would prefer that we, we live in a world where the king of kong is a legitimate king of kong so fingers crossed that billy mitchell is every bit the man he claims to be yes and then what else uh Oh, are you familiar with uh, My Hero Academia? I'm not I'm not specifically familiar enough with it to know a lot about it. I know that it's really popular and I know that I have several friends that absolutely love it. Yeah, and that's about the extent of my knowledge as well. Like it seems like last year it was all about One Punch Man and this year it's all about My Hero Academia. Um, but Bandai Namco just announced uh, a game called My Hero's One Justice, which will be I think the second ever My Hero Academia game, but the first one to come to North America, to come to the West. Oh, that's um, interesting. And it's going to be for all systems, the Switch, the Xbox, PC, the PlayStation, everything. So, you know, I always have kind of mixed feelings about Bandai Namco just because it always feels like they just kind of copy and paste with a lot of their shit. <laughs> but, you know, it's still it's still pretty cool that such a popular anime is getting a video game so quickly. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't know much about it right now, but I've been planning on looking into it. It's an anime, right? It's an anime yeah, and a I think I think they actually just released their third season, if I'm not mistaken. That um, sounds about right. And yeah, I you know <laughs> I I already kind of dished on anime games a little while ago, but for fans of these series, they're actually a lot of fun. So I'm Definitely, you know, if I get into my Hero Academia, I'm looking forward to seeing how the game how the game does it. Yeah, interesting stuff. Um, this is actually some good news. They uh, Sega announced that Shinmu One and Two are going to be coming to all current gen consoles, PC, PS4, and Xbox One. This is awesome. Uh, Shinmu is a cult classic game. You know, the uh, Sony stirred up a lot of uh, attention a couple E3s ago whenever they brought the creator of Shinmu onto their stage and gave them they gave the creator valuable stage time to announce that he was crowdfunding 
his efforts to make Shinmu 3. And that Kickstarter broke records. I mean, they got all the money that they were calling for, like, super fast, like overnight, practically. Um, so Shinmu is a really popular series. So a lot of longtime fans are really pleasantly surprised and happy to hear that they are going to bring the original games over to current gen consoles so that hopefully more people will be exposed to them. I personally do not know. I haven't played Shinmu, any of the Shinmu games, but I know that people just absolutely love them. They, they are quite infatuated with the series. So I'm happy that Sega's bring them over. It's awesome. That's, that's pretty cool. And while you, while you're on the topic of Sega, um, I don't know if you've heard this cause I think they just announced it like a day ago. Had you heard that, uh, Sega's going to release a mega drive mini this year? I did see that, but I didn't look into it enough to know a lot about it. Yeah, I I, I didn't either, to be honest. But <laughs> it's it's out there, um, which I guess they're trying to capitalize on because we've seen several other gaming companies that have you know that were classics once upon a time that have kind of faded out, but they're coming back into into the mainstream because of this you know kind of revitalization with nostalgia and these nostalgic games so yeah you know i I think that's like i'm probably not gonna get one because you know i'm a broke bitch but still still interesting that it's out there you know yeah it's kind of like what you just said nintendo really got the ball rolling with this retro revival that's going on right now so i'm not really surprised that sega announced the uh mega drive mini I'm actually pretty interested in seeing what games they include on it stock. And I'm not sure. Uh, I wonder if it's got the ability to play the cartridges. I didn't even I didn't even look at it enough to know if it does that. But if it does, that'll be interesting. Yeah, for sure. They just announced today that or they announced the director for the new Harley Quinn spinoff movie, which is going to be called Birds of Prey. Um, they announced who the director was going to be for that. Um, and I don't want to get her name wrong, so I'm actually going to look that up right now. Kathy Yan, or Yan, I don't want to mispronounce her name. She is an Asian director. Um, she is who is going to be directing that spinoff. And I know that there's quite a bit of hype about that. People seem to really like Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. So, Yeah. We'll see what happens with that. Is that going to be uh, based off of like the Suicide Squad when you say spinoff? Or is this going to be like a, like a standalone film about Harley Quinn? It's going to be a standalone. It's, it's a spinoff just about Harley Quinn. But it's based off of the character from Suicide Squad. Like she's going to be modeled the same. I mean, at least that's the way that they're portraying it in all of the media. I would, so. I would definitely love to see Harley Quinn like prior to her becoming the Joker's like sidekick or you know, yeah, like whenever she's a doctor trying to uh, you know treat the Joker and then he kind of drives her into her madness. I think that would make for a really compelling film, and I would I would definitely pay to see that. Not that I know if that's what this is going to be about, but yeah, it'll be. Well, actually, hold on. I think that there's mention of, you know, Birds of Prey is a comic. It's, it's a comic that was put out by DC. 
And it says that Harley Quinn was at least in it briefly. So maybe it's maybe it's based off of that. But anyway, maybe that's where they're getting their name from. Regardless, I just thought it was interesting that they announced who the director was going to be. And there was quite a bit of hype on Twitter about it today. So figured it would be worth passing on to the listeners. Yeah, that's awesome. So with that... With that, I guess it's time to move on into our main topic. So, moving on into our main topic, um, the discussion tonight is going to be about silent protagonists in video games, specifically. Which, I thought that that was one of the reasons that this was going to be such an interesting topic. Because I kind of got to thinking about it a little bit. Um, You know, you think about what different art mediums do like we have film we have anime and manga television series comic books you know we have all these different mediums i think as far as i can think of i think video games are just about the only medium that really attempt like the silent protagonists uh as a you know that, that utilize that as a uh you know you could call it a a plot point a narrative point a, a, a viewpoint you know, it, it it makes use of it in ways that are kind of interesting to me. And, you know, we've seen we've seen a ton of different we've, we've got the and we, we've kind of like divvied this up into the, the silent protagonist, the semi silent protagonist and, uh, you know, even even reverse protagonists like characters that don't start off as silent protag- or characters that start off as silent protagonists, but gradually, you know, acquire a voice. And, you know, we kind of take for granted, like, it it just seems like we're self-inserting when it comes to a lot of these silent protagonists. But what else does it accomplish? It's just kind of something that I'm interested in exploring with this with this particular topic. Yeah, and that's a really good point for you to make. I agree with you on the fact that video games are an entertainment medium that really they can touch areas and they can address areas that other forms of media can't. And I've repeatedly made my opinion on this known. I think that video games can tell stories more powerfully than almost any other form of media. I think that if they're utilized correctly, they can invest the player um, much more than other forms of entertainment can. And I think that the silent protagonist is actually a really interesting development that gives the player and gives the, the watcher even a chance to portray or or not portray, but to project their thoughts, their feelings, their views on this character to en- enhance their role playing experience and really get sucked in to the story. But that only works with some of these characters. Like you said, we've divvied these up into separate silent protagonists, quote unquote. Um, and we kind of thought that the best way to segue into this would be to kind of give you guys an idea of who our favorite silent protagonists are regardless of if they're actually truly silent or if they have a little bit more vocal portrayal in games so i guess i guess i'll go ahead and go first the favorite silent protagonist that i thought of this shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone that has listened to the past shows but um you narakami the swag tagonist from persona 4 Oh man, that eye roll was so hard. (laughs) 
I kind of want to I kind of want to upload the video of this just so that people can see just how very hard that eye roll <laughs> was from Crow, but he is he is lovingly called the swag tagonist by people who are fan- from the Persona fandom. But anyway, he's my favorite silent protagonist. So, how about you, Crow? I'm going to I'm going to have to go with Red from Pokémon. Oh, I see what you mean whenever you said you didn't want to put some bias on this. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, we're we're going to get into both of these series anyway, so we can we can put off our reasoning until we've uh till we've kind of scrolled down the list a little bit. All right, that sounds good. Give the listeners a little bit of a tease there. Yeah, cuz you know, I I obviously I'm I'm a big fan of you Narakami as well, and I know that you're a big fan of Red, so we're going to be on the same page and probably have more to add to that than Maybe we yes. do initially. Yes, foreplay is important. Very good. For, foreplay is everything. <laughs> yes, that could be a tangent, <laughs> but it won't be. <laughs> okay, yeah, so it's probably easiest for us to start out talking about the truly silent blank slate protagonist, and we've got several of these. And it seems it seems like a lot of these truly blank slate characters are like the older characters too like uh like as we as we've come further with with video game development it seems like we're getting less and less truly silent protagonists but you know it's still impressive that some of these were memorable enough to stay with us despite that yeah that's that's a really good point you know these characters don't have a voice yet they leave such a powerful impression on the players to the point where they don't even need a voice. They're so iconic that they're they're recognizable without even having to have catchphrases or say anything. So that says something about the character design. Um, that's notable. And whenever I was thinking about this, literally the first one, the first silent protagonist that popped in my mind was Link from the Legend of Zelda series. And that's practically because it's become a meme at this point. I mean, there are several gag videos on YouTube of people joking about, you know, like people trying to have conversations with Link and him just going, hi, oh, hi, you know, just like those are his reactions because that's the only that's the only vocalization you receive from this character. And yet he's such an awesome character. I mean, Shigeru Miyamoto, whenever he created the Zelda series, said that he wanted to basically emulate what it would feel like as a kid to go into a forest and explore and just basically feel like you weren't on it on an adventure. And so the best way to do that in his mind was to make it so that the protagonist had no voice and just made it so that you could portray your personality onto them like you are on this adventure through Hyrule. So being being voiceless makes him more inquisitive. Like you have to use your imagination to kind of determine like how, like where he's at mentally and physically with his experience. And I think that's that's true for a lot of these silent uh, these silent protagonists that we're discussing. Yeah, and I think that's awesome. I mean, it's like it's truly allows you to get sucked into the medium more and to feel like you're taking you're being taken away to a different world and you're experiencing a story personally for yourself. It's awesome. You know, the controller becomes the interface for this wonderful experience that you're truly, you feel like you're a part of. So Link is the one that came to my mind. So see the very first one that came to my mind immediately was red from Pokemon. 
Um, and granted, all of the Pokemon protagonists have been silent as far as I'm aware. But I, like, I think Red is in a class all his own. Um, for several reasons, you know, A, there's the nostalgia factor because, you know, for most, well, not most of us, but for a lot of us, you know, it was either Pokemon Red, Red and Blue, or Pokemon Silver and Gold that kind of got us started. If you're like, you know, from the 90s era, like us old heads are. Um, and so that was a big, that was a big reason for me is because, you know, he was the iconic, like first protagonist. But I think even more than that is because I've already mentioned before for me, I think, well, maybe I haven't mentioned it on the air, but I've at least talked to judge about this. Um, silver Pokemon silver was the very first Pokemon game that I had ever like played through. And red is a fucking legend in that game like he and he what what really gets me is like he's not the protagonist but he's still a silent character that like just completely wrecks like everyone else in the game like you play through the elite four or like you play through the johto league you play through the elite four and then this is one of the reasons it's my favorite pokemon game is you get to go through kanto where like all these kanto gym leaders are even fucking like higher level they're like level 70 or something and then just when you think it can't get any better after you've gone through the kanto league you go to mount silver and there's like a fucking lone trainer at the summit and it's fucking red and you know he's got like i I think it depends on which version you're playing because there's like you know the remake soul silver and heart gold and there's the original silver and gold um and i don't remember which way it was but regardless one at least one of those versions has has all of his Pokemon, including fucking Pikachu, in the 80s. And one of them has him in the 90s. And, you know, I think that's as difficult a match as you're going to get against any AI from any Pokemon game. Um, and he doesn't say a damn word either. Like, he's just fucking, like, meditating under a waterfall or some shit. And then you come along and he just starts throwing Charizard and Venusaur and shit at you. And it's just, it's great. Yeah, I am so glad that you included Red in here because I, for me, you know, that was one of my earliest memories with a video game was playing through Pokemon uh, Yellow, which I mean, I te- technically in Yellow, it's Ash. I mean, technically, I guess, because it was based on the anime. But for me, I always saw him as Red because um, I played through Red and Blue, too shortly thereafter but i felt like just such a legendary character i felt like i was playing a legendary character and because he's truly silent i felt like i was truly making this huge trek all across kanto i was making my name known i was going to catch them all i was going to be the champion of the elite four you know i had all of these this wonderful imagination that only a child can have wrapped up and enveloped in this character right and then Once you beat that game, just like you said, when Silver and Gold came out, it absolutely melted my face whenever I beat the game and got up to Mount Silver. And I saw, and I recognized based on the sprite too, like it was just, it's terrible, it's terrible graphics, but you could recognize, I was just like, wait, is this happening? I think this is happening. You can imagine like a young kid freaking out over this and I go up and you know what I love too about this. I feel like I should mention this. He, he doesn't even have to say anything. Just like you said, he starts 
hurling all these high level Pokemon at you, right? But even if you just analyze based on analyze his like character model and the way that they portray it, you know, he's got his head. He's got his head hung down, like whenever you're looking at him at the beginning of the he's battle. Got the cap he's got covering his eyes. Yeah, and he's got this quiet confidence about him. You look at him and you're like, this dude's a boss. And if you transfer your experience from red, blue, and yellow onto that, that you just you're like, that's who I played as. That is that's the legend that I became. I am overcoming and overthrowing the legend and right now. What what makes it even better, like especially from you know, going from my perspective is playing from silver and gold and you know, even from playing like red, blue, and yellow. Um, you know, the fact that he's a silent protagonist means that like pretty much everybody that he comes up against will be like, you're determined. I see it in your eyes. It's just like you you imagine based on like, even though, like we said, it's we're, we're talking graphics from the 90s and early early 2000s for a handheld system. So they're, you know, very, very pixelated. But you can still like your imagination's hard at work. Like, oh, my God, like the look that he must be giving these fucking mobsters like fucking Team Rocket stealing Pokemon and planning to like mind control people and just fucking this this lone trainer comes along and just fucking wrecks everything. He wrecks their boss. And like as soon as as soon as you see uh, Blue as a gym leader in, in the Kanto League, you immediately know like, oh, my God. That means that Red's got to be here somewhere. Is he going to be at the Elite Four now? And then you go through the Elite Four again. He's not there and you're kind of bummed out. But then you realize, wait a minute, a path has opened up in the Elite Four that leads me to Mount Silver. So you go through Mount Silver where there's there's all these really troublesome high-level Pokemon. And then you get to the very top and you've got, you know, Red is the Red is the character that we all wish Ash would have been. Like, when we started the series, we thought that Ash could essentially we thought the ash was red we like paralleled the two and it's spun off in such a different direction that it's very clear they're two very different characters and red is so much preferable it's just it's amazing yeah it is and it, we clearly have a profound love for the pokemon series and i think that i mean it's really a perfect model for how a silent protagonist really can be super powerful you know the story and everything they did with that setup was conducive to making it so that you felt like you were you were becoming a pokemon master and what better way to follow that up than to make it feel like you're defeating the most powerful character that you've ever known in this universe and you're becoming a true rival to them like you're it's it's like you're growing as a person just like your trainer has grown as a trainer you're growing as a person and you're obviously going higher than what you thought was the pinnacle of achievement so and it also it also kind of uh it's interesting because it also kind of shows you how the right characters can drastically amplify a silent protagonist like you know, we've we've gone through like fucking eight generations of Pokemon at this point, and you know, in my opinion, the first two generations are by far the best, simply because Team Rocket as an antagonistic force is so much more powerful to me. You know, others might yeah. disagree with me, but they're more sinister. They're they're darker. They're like they're not tryhards to the same extent that like you know some of these other teams are. So yeah, I think Team Rocket did a phenomenal job at kind of amplifying the silent protagonist because we've had like all these other, um, you know, Pokemon games. We've had eight generations of Pokemon games now. Is it eight? Maybe more? Perhaps more. I I don't know. There's a lot. <laughs> I've lost track. But we've had so many generations and I'll, I'll 
till the day I die, probably think that Team Rocket was the best just because, you know, they came off as, like, traditional mobsters, and that's what made them more interesting than, you know, some of these other, some of these these other generations that have come out since yeah for sure pokemon is just a gold mine obviously you can tell that we love it a lot so ah, <laughs> we gold. spend a little bit ah, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> oh man didn't even catch that glad you did though <laughs> <laughs> we've got some other truly silent protagonists too samus from the metroid series she's truly silent um and a lot of people got really invested into those games i played I played uh, Metroid, didn't really get into it as much as everyone else seemed to get into it, but Nintendo does a really good job with their silent protagonist. You can tell, I mean, if you're seeing a theme on this so far, another good one, <laughs> I'm not so sure if this has really got good connotations or bad connotations to it, but Doom Guy from Doom, <laughs> he's truly silent, um, so you can go and kill all the demons of hell with your own personality overlaid on it if you'd like. And another big one is Gordon Freeman from Half-Life. He is a truly silent protagonist in Half-Life, some of the most revered, loved games ever made. Some some would contend that Half-Life and Half-Life 2 are some of the it is the best game or the best games ever made. Can't say I've played any of those, but I definitely hear a lot about Doom and Half-Life and obviously Metroid is a classic at this point, so yeah, I know, uh, I guess the most like recent example I can really think of is uh, the South Park uh, Stick of Truth game. They, uh, you, I, you kind of get like the kind of classical main character, silent protagonist. No matter what name you give them, you just get called douchebag. So, <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's also kind of interesting because that world of South Park, that in itself kind of gives the silent protagonist like a lot more personality than he than he would otherwise have if it was like any other game yeah i heard people talking about with south park the the tutorial or whatever the prologue how it pokes fun at like traditional rpgs where you know you have to come up with a name and character and everything um i watched some of it and it was pretty funny (laughs) so another interesting facet of that you know since it's a silent protagonist but it's there's a personality being developed around them based on how the characters surrounding you are referring to you and interacting with you. So that's interesting. And then finally, I guess in the truly silent, we've got the Bethesda games and Crow, you actually were the one to mention uh, Skyrim, which we all know how pivotal of a game that is. So yeah, and I haven't like really gotten too far into it yet still because it's going to be a real time suck that I don't feel like I currently have. But yeah, and I think that's one of the 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 uh, kind of tr- classic RPGs that like where you're role playing as like a warrior or a mage or you know, what have you and you kind of start to dominate this world where like the evils invading or you know, it's a very kind of cliche at this point almost, but there's a few games that do it right. And when they do it right, there's usually a silent protagonist that you can truly self insert in like yourself into this role. And that's, those are the kind of games that really succeed. Yeah, exactly. And to me, I've heard people draw parallels between Skyrim and Zelda quite a bit too, because it's kind of the same formula, you know, Skyrim feels like it's only, 
it works so well because it's a silent protagonist because you truly get to craft your character from scratch and make them exactly what you want them to be so it feels like you're going on this big fantastical adventure so and clearly it worked because you can go online and see how many hours people have poured into that world um and how loved the, the series the elder scrolls games are so yeah those are our truly silent blank slates if you will and then the other category that we divvied this up into is you've got the semi-silent protagonists. And what we mean by that is, you know, they're still silent, but they have a little bit of vocalization to them, a little bit of predetermined characteristics that gives you an idea of what kind of character they are, but it's not defined enough to the point where you can clearly tell what they are. And you're still able to have some of that self-insertion as you were referring to it as. Um, so yeah, you got any good ideas or anyone in particular that you want to mention first for this? Oh, the swag tagonist. Who else? Heck yeah. We got, uh, about. the persona and Shimigami Tensei in general. Um, both a lot of, a lot of their characters, well, pretty much all their main characters at least are silent for the most part, but a, they have some degree of backstory that kind of, you know, predetermines who or what they're going to be like. And B, the the cast of characters that they surround themselves with don't really allow you to see them in any other light except for this particular light that, that, that they're given. Yeah, and this is where we get into this interesting, like, care or... Uh like speech tree responses that you can give. Cause you know, all the persona games and all the Shin Megami Tensei games, they give you opportunities to give responses. Like you can, you can typically in a persona game, give a cocky response. You can give like a plain response, like a neutral response. This is going to be non-offensive or you can give like a, you know, there's just all these different options that you can give in these these speech trees, if you will. So you're kind of able to like self-insert your personality into the character, but within certain constraints. Um, and it certain and it works. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's kind of interesting because you, based on the choices that you make with these kind of characters, you get to kind of construct if they're going to be like a very, a fairly polite young man, or if they're going to be just outright borderline blasphemous. Um, and it's, we were talking about this earlier too. Like it was really interesting because like persona has, um, an anime for it. The fourth, uh, persona three, persona four, and they're coming out with one, well, they're working on one for persona five. Um, and in each of these, like you got, you kind of get to see like the, uh, the studio's interpretation of the, uh, persona protagonist and, they tend to go with the more, uh, f I guess, flashy version of the protagonist. So we get the, uh, especially Persona 4, the animation, which is like, I think our favorite one that we've seen so far. Uh, Yu Narakami has all the personality of every most outlandish choice that you could choose from the game. And it's interesting because, you know, he, he really is a silent protagonist. But because you get these extreme choices, that kind of makes you in your mind, you're like, well, that's who he is at his core. He's just not able to say it yet. Yeah. And that's an interesting point, too, with they, you know, they take the silent protagonist from the game, which 
of course, I played the game first, and I loved you as a character, even whenever he didn't have a predetermined voice. I mean, he had he had a voice actor, he had Johnny Youngbosch, who was the voice actor in the game, but the only things that he said was, you know, the persona names, and he had a couple of other voice lines, but they weren't major. Um, but whenever they transferred that to the anime, like you said, <laughs> they just gave him the most outlandish, ridiculous responses, and it just made him so much more lovable and hilarious. So... I think that's a good example of how you can take a silent protagonist and you can actually you can transfer them to a more vocal medium and make them more enjoyable or just as amazing. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. And like a lot of the uh, a lot of the choice based series, which, you know, I'm kind of forgetting quite a few of them at the moment, but a lot of the games that give you choices in the dialogue options, you could argue that they're semi silent games or maybe not so much, but there's some degree of like having choice like automatically makes you not silent but at the same time if it's not predetermined for a video game it almost makes it like semi-silent or at least not a full not a fully blank slate um you know our probably like most played games right now like current our our current addictions right now are dead by daylight and, and overwatch and you know these are both games where they have like all the characters have fully fleshed out stories they don't really talk within game though. I mean, I guess you have some voice lines in Overwatch and a lot of grunting and moaning and Dead by Daylight. <laughs> but you don't uh you know you you, you kind of still self-insert based on like whether you're teabagging or pointing or just fooling around. You can you can have a lot of fun with it, even though it in your mind plays no part in the story because you already know how they are. I don't know. To me that's also an interesting element in itself. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, with Dead by Daylight, you know, they've already most I mean, all the characters have pre-established bios. But like you said, you get to choose whether you're going to be the douchey Dwight that runs around in tea bags all the time and flashlights rapidly to try to pallet drop and just be cocky or, you know. So, I mean, technically it makes their you're basically violating the canon that's been established for him because Dwight is not the type that would do that based on what his bio says but you know video games so video games fucking great got that with uh like mario and smash brothers too like they don't really they don't really like talk within these games but you know there's still a story going on that kind of establishes how they're going to be perceived as characters how they're going to act as characters um but they're just kind of on a journey and that's really all there is to it. Yeah. And I was going to say, you know, just to draw a comparison here. So like with Mario, you know, I never, I never like transposed my personality and myself onto Mario, even though he was a semi silent protagonist, like I would with like a, like you said, red, I was much more invested and I felt much more like I was red than I ever felt like I was Mario whenever I played a Mario game. And I'm not exactly sure why that is, to be honest with you. It's more, it just didn't feel like I could... Mario had an, enough of a defined personality, and, you know, he's a plumber. You know, he, he has a backstory. So, I mean... I think it's also interesting kind of to think about the... Um... So, I mean, for despite how cool I consider Red to be as a character, he's also still fairly ordinary. Like, I think I think there's a certain degree of um, 
plainness almost when it comes to uh, when it comes to the truly silent protagonists that allow you to self-insert yourself into them into them as characters, whereas the semi-silent protagonists, you know, they don't they don't say a lot, but at the same time they have to have enough personality, whether it's through the things they say or whether it's through their appearance, the things they do, you know, things like that. Um, that kind of make it harder to self-insert. Like even ah, Persona, Persona and Shimagami Tensei, like you, you can still self-insert if you have to, or I'm not if you have to. If you like to, like it's possible to self-insert your, yourself into those into those characters. But in my opinion, it's still not as easy as it is for the truly silent protagonists. I agree with you on that. The other one that, I mean, just a last mention here for Semi-Silent, one of the most iconic, uh, one of the most iconic out of the list probably would be Master Chief. You know, he was truly, he wasn't, or he wasn't truly silent because in Halo 1 he did, he had a very, like very few voice lines. They were only really, really impactful moments where he talked and he was, I mean, he's built as a character to be like that, but during the actual gameplay, you felt like you were, I felt like I was the master chief. I felt like I was saving humanity from the covenant. I felt like I was boss, like I was the savior of earth, all that stuff. So I think that while I do agree that you can transpose yourself onto a truly silent protagonist easier, I think that depending on how they build their world, like how developers build their world and how they portray the character, a semi-silent protagonist can also play that role really well. So, but I agree with you on your point that you made that silent protagonists are easier to do that with. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, so this was actually judge's idea, but I thought it was a really interesting point. Um, he pointed out that some, uh, a lot, not a lot, a few characters, and this is like the oddity when it comes to talking about silent characters, there's a few characters that start off as silent characters and they get a voice somewhere in the series. Like, they, you can't consider them silent characters at all after they have this voice. Um, and it's it's very rare that I've seen, like, characters do that in games, but there are a few. Um, I guess the... Uh, the biggest one that comes to mind, probably for both of us, was uh, Jack from Jack and Daxter. Um, and I never played through the first game, but as as far as I understand it, he doesn't talk like at all in the first game. No, I whereas don't think he does. in the second game, so that for anybody that's never played Jack Two, the second game starts off shortly after the first game leave, like leaves off. But there's a there's like a time skip, like a few a few minutes into the second game, and it's only after that time skip that Jack is able to talk. And like you know, there's not really a reason for it. Like it's not like he just magically starts talking because of the time skip. But I think that they kind of established a clear difference between the world from the first game and the world in the second game, where Jack isn't just on an he's not just on an adventure anymore. Like he's actually deep into some shit that he can't afford to just be a silent adventurer for. Yeah. And I think you've got more experience with the Jack and Daxter series than I do. I just, the only reason I knew about this is because I have friends that just casually brought up whenever I was younger 
they played the first Jack and Daxter game and they liked it a lot. And then uh, whenever the second game and the third game came out and he had a voice actor, I remember just how much they were freaking out about it. You know, this is when we were young. So it clearly, I mean, it, it's a big deal whenever you take a character that's what you feel is established and then you do something as drastic as finally giving him a voice, right? That's pretty significant. And while I wasn't as invested in the series as a lot of people have been and are, um, I can recognize how that could be um, perhaps jarring or perhaps a good thing, depending. The only one that I could think of really immediately was in the Call of Duty series, in, uh, in the Modern Warfare series. First game you're playing as... Uh, for a portion of the game, you're playing as uh, John or Soap McTavish, and he doesn't have a voice at all throughout that game, right? You play through it, you're under Captain Price, you go through it, and you feel like you're an awesome character, like you're doing, you're like this just war fighter that's capable of doing crazy things. And then when you get to like Modern Warfare 2, uh, you're actually under soap and soap's given a voice and that's an example of what i think that they did right because his voice that they assigned to him is just like what you would expect you know you're like oh yeah this dude's awesome like they did such a good job on this so they kind of did a reversal on it or they kind of just they uh actually whenever they gave him a voice it had a strong positive effect and everyone in the community pretty much agreed that it was a good move so it can be done it just it's it's a risky move in some cases yeah and you know there, there's plenty of games especially going back to like the earlier ones that where characters just really didn't talk that much partially because like they didn't have you know the technology for effective voice acting at the time partially because you know too much dialogue kind of ruined the momentum or what have you um, so there's plenty of series that have like gained more of a voice over time. You know, Mario being a case in point, like he's clearly got an established character and established lore at this point. Um, but that's only because you've played through like so many games and seen so many, you know, different versions of him that you've kind of come to recognize that he's grown as a character as the series has progressed. Um, I also, mm, I didn't get far enough into this to know if it really qualifies, but I guess like I was also thinking Final Fantasy three, um, the original Final Fantasy three, which actually didn't really come to the States, uh, had four like nameless protagonists, um, that are commonly just hailed as the onion Knight. Like if you're playing like Dissidia or theater rhythm or something like that, you know, that's the representative character for Final Fantasy three. But whenever you play the uh, the DS or the or the mobile remake of Final Fantasy three, they they give them the names like Lunith, Ark, Refia, and Ingus, and uh, but you know nobody really thinks of these characters. They just think of the Onion Knight, who was a silent character, who was a silent character that didn't have like any backstory really, rather than these characters that actually do have dialogue and backstory. But it, it kind of, I guess, ruins it almost, like ruins the magic for people that played the original. Yeah, I can see that. And it seems like with retro games, retro games get, uh, they get a little bit harder slap on the wrist whenever they try to do something like this, it seems like. So I can see why in one way, but in another way, I mean, 
they got to appeal. A lot of people just don't like whenever you take a silent protagonist and then with the Final Fantasy games, you know, they ought, they've got a lot of text in them typically, or they've got a lot of reading in them in the older ones. So if they were going to reintroduce that to a newer generation, I mean, a lot of people right now just don't like, they like to be able to just listen. So I can see some of the reasons why they would do that. But I, I mean, once you assign a voice that kind of has a big bearing on what personality you envision the character having. So, well, that's, that's, I guess that's pretty much it. Like, I just thought it was an interesting, uh, interesting to discuss how like video games are actually capable of bringing in like a completely silent or a partially silent character and how that plays an impact and how you both like see that character and see the world that they're living in. Yeah. And I mean, it's all these little details that people don't typically think about. I mean, you don't really take these things into consideration, but whenever, whenever you break thing, break games down into their components, you realize this sort of stuff has a huge determination on like the game as a whole. I mean, even, even if you take well-defined characters and you were to change the voices that they received, think about how profound of an impact that would have on this story. You know, if you take some, since God of War is all the rage now, if you took like a character like Kratos, right? And you assigned a voice to them, right? That wasn't like the voice that they had, then obviously it would be drastically different. Yeah. I, w- I went to, uh, I went to a, uh, like writer's conference, uh, last year in February and uh, some, like kind of something that made me think of this, uh, they had like a little seminar where they were talking about poetry versus hip hop. And they were like, well, what if, if you took out the music in hip hop, what changes like what what distinguishes hip hop from regular poetry? Well, like I guess one crucial thing that distinguishes hip hop from regular poetry. And I, the interesting answer that the guy at that seminar gave that I agree with quite a bit is uh if you if you try to go with poetry as opposed to hip hop you would lose out on the ad libs that hip hop has the just random sounds that don't necessarily mean anything but they give it a certain kind of energy energy that the song needs or that the moment requires that you can't do in poetry like yeah swanky skeet 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 (laughs) yeah Oh, oh, oh. (laughs) oh man so yeah like it's kind of in the same in the same ballpark in that like if you take out the silent protagonist you know we've got characters like kratos and uh joel from the last of us you know we've got fleshed out characters we've got good characters but we still see the world completely differently because we see it through the lens of somebody with a personality to combat this world that's oppressing them such a big difference a voice can make yes so i think we're uh we're dwindling down into our into our sunset right now. Yes, we're we're in the twilight of our twilight show of our youth. And it's always my <laughs> don't don't get too depressing. <laughs> um arguably the our favorite part of the show really is whenever we come down to our name of shame. Praise of praise. And phrase of praise, yeah. I hope that we don't actually assign those voices to this segment because I don't think my vocal cords can actively handle that every week. But um, 
and I don't want to have to keep putting the angelic clip in. Um, <laughs> so for the uh, for the name of shame this week, we have Crusty Toes with a K. Make a really strong impact with that. So I just got chills whenever you said that. That's disgusting. I know it's a really, it's a really gross thought. But of course, this was an Overwatch name. So, uh, Overwatch names, man. I don't know. It's like really they come out of the woodwork. All the amazing gamer tags come out of the woodwork for Overwatch. So, um, that's the name of shame for this week. And you know. I had two things for the phrase of praise, but I'm going to have to pick one of them. And it's it's a really, really difficult choice, but I'm sure the other one's going to be used for next week. So, this ooh, one... Ooh, ooh, sorry, sorry. I, I also actually had a name of shame that, you know, I wanted to throw in just because it's such a... Ooh, a bonus round. Yes, such a rare occurrence that I actually uh, bother writing it down. And you weren't playing with me last night, so I thought... It was noteworthy enough to uh, to take a note. <clears throat> My name of shame, and I shit you not, this was the actual name, Honky Extraordinaire. <laughs> <laughs> it was That's awesome. I, I I died. It was it was amazing. Honky Extraordinaire. No underscore. No no space. Just all one. It was spelled correctly. You know, I think so. Oh man, that's awesome. So yeah, you're welcome. To, <laughs> you're, you're you're welcome for that. Please proceed with your phrase of praise. <laughs> that was a great bonus for this week. <laughs> Thank you. I needed that. Oh geez. Okay, composure. So, how am I going to keep composure with these two phrases of praise anyway? Um. So the phrase of praise for this week is. Don't call me daddy. Call me the sperm pumper. <laughs> uh, it's a great phrase, right? <laughs> it's a pretty specific phrase. It is. I love it. I thought it was hilarious. Um, d- yeah, d- doesn't that kind of play off of our uh, like last phrase of praise? Or It kind of does. What, what was it? Humble me, daddy? Don't call me daddy. Call me the sperm pumper. They can be used in conjunction with each other. You know, they've got a synergistic effect on each other. These aren't really phrases of praise. This is just one long conversation that we've bothered, like, tracking. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we just spliced this conversation up to last hundreds of episodes, so prepare. If you you take every phrase of praise from every episode and compile them end-to-end, they make a very interesting and unique story. It's going to be a very disturbing story. Someone do that. We just cut these up into sentences and throw them in a bowl and pick one at random every week, pretty much. Technically, yeah. I mean, not technically, but metaphorically, yeah. No, oh, well, yeah. you know, same effect. Same effect. So, yeah. So, yeah. It was a good episode. I had a lot of fun with this one. Hopefully, you did, too. Hopefully, I did, too. <laughs> That's the response I was looking for. <laughs> um, all right. As always, we're glad that you made it to the, uh, made it to the show. We hope that you reach out and give us your comments on everything. You can either do that at our Twitter, which is at Real Hodge, or you can reach out to us at our website or through email via contact at 
podhodge.net. We really hope to hear from you. Uh, what is your stance on silent protagonists? You know, do you have a favorite silent protagonist? Red. Do you agree or disagree with us agree. on our points? Let us know. So yeah. Yeah. It was a good episode. All right. See ya. Podhodge signing out. We'll see you next week. It's rather risky, it's rather risky.